Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, building experiences that connect, remove friction, and deliver insights. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and folks, on today's show, we are going to be talking about Mark Andreessen's The Techno-Optimist Manifesto. Hey, Ron. Hey, Ed. How's it going? Good, 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 good. I have a lot of things going on this week. I was in New York City uh, speaking with a, a group of Sage partners, and due to our uh, partnership with Major League Baseball, it was at Major League Baseball headquarters. So oh, we, got, wow. we got a, we got a tour, and we got a chance to see where they have the umpire bunker. You know that where replay when the, the when it goes to replay uh-huh. on that. And then in addition, I got was lucky enough to get tickets to the the game last night between the Houston Astros and Texas Rangers. Sadly, the Rangers lost, but uh, yeah, so wow. it's good. Yep, yep, that's good, cool. Good baseball week for me. Yeah, yeah, that's great. But even better is this article that <laughs> we're about to talk about. This was Mark Andreessen's, I guess, on, on his Substack and, and as well as on his uh, blog, which is A16Z, I believe. Is that something, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and called the Techno Optimists Manifesto. And this is, dude, this is a manifesto. Manifesto. It, it, <laughs> it is. It is. It, it, I, you know, I know we talked about this, but. If you were just to take the economics from our show for the last, you know, nine and a half years, whatever it's been, uh, and summarize, this would be it. Mm-hmm. This would be it. Mm-hmm. And I, so I'm really looking forward to going through this and seeing what struck you versus what struck me. Talk about it. And you know what, Ed? If we have to do three shows to get through this, I'm fine <laughs> with it. Uh, this is, This is important stuff. Let's, let's let's take it slow. Of course, it, it opens with a quote from Marion Tupi, so that 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 immediately caught my eye. So absolutely, uh, we're, we're talking about the, the species is three hundred thousand years old, and for the first twenty nine thousand, we didn't do much but forage. Right. <laughs> Two hundred ninety thousand. Two hundred ninety thousand. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, we were just subsisting basically, and uh, even after we embraced agriculture, progress was still painfully slow. But mm-hmm. then, in the beginning of the 18th century. The standard of living started to skyrocket. Of course, we've talked about this with Deirdre McClowski, you know, this 3,000% increase and all of that. And Tupi asks what brought about this dramatic improvement and why. Uh, and yeah, I just I just really thought that this was profound. And then, of course, he quotes Thomas Edison. There's a, there's a way to do it better. Find it. <laughs> right, right, right. Sounds like something Thomas Edison would say. Yes. Um, and then, Ron, what's the first subhead? <laughs> uh, lies, <laughs> which is great. It, it reminds me of Solzhenitsyn, you know, don't live by lies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we are being lied to. We are told that technology takes our jobs, reduces our wages, increases inequality, threatens our health, ruins the environment, degrades our society, corrupts our children, impairs our humanity, threatens the future, and is even on the verge of ruining everything we are told to be miserable about the future. And this Mm -hmm. reminds me of uh, Virginia Postrel, 
her book, The Future and Its Enemies. Mm-hmm. This is how she framed it. You know, the whole the debate is not between the rich and poor, the Republicans and the Democrats, the liberals and the conservatives. The debate is about those who want the past to stay in place versus those who believe in dynamism and an unfolding uncertain future. And she thought that that was the major conflict. And even George Gilder wrote about this in 1980 in Wealth and Poverty, citing Jane Jacobs, who basically was said the same thing in, in different in different words. And that's always struck me, Ed, because people who who believe in dynamism, who believe in the future, you know, like you always say, future glee, mm-hmm. not future shock. They just seem to have that abundance attitude that you don't find among people who are more on the scarcity side, you know, let's slow down growth or even <laughs> degrowth, right? Depopulate all that. It, it just, it, it is two different worldviews. And this brings me to something that, that, that I was struck by with this. And that is when we talk about the word conservative, we, we mean di- different things in different places in the world. Yes, absolutely. Even because within the country. Even, even within, within the country, even with here in the United States, absolutely. Yes, yes, because I mean, obviously, cons- conservatives in 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 Europe at the time, back at the time of the French Red Revolution, wanted to conserve the monarchy. That's what they. That's what the conservatives. So the right was the preservation of the monarchy. If you were in the Soviet Union in 1989 and you were a conservative, you wanted to conserve Marxist-Leninism. Though so that's a conservative because that's what you are conserving. The question is, what has what have have conservatives been in the United States? And the answer, as you point out, is that they're, I think, in a lot of ways bifurcated. There's a lot of people who are call themselves conservatives today that what they want to conserve is the, the 1950s or early 1960s. And that's what they, that's what they're conserving. But to me, the true conservative is the conser- conservation of the the values as as articulated by the 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 Declaration of Independence and then as codified in the Constitution. Right. That's what that's the definition, I think, of an American conservative is somebody who's trying to maintain the founding of the country. Mm-hmm. I, I don't you know, th- that line that I love, by the way, that, you know, the lib- the left wants to um work in the 1950s and conservatives want to live in the 1950s. I love that. <laughs> I, and I think that's Brink Lindsay who said mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So I yeah. really like him, but um, you know, I, I don't want to go back into the 1950s for no. work or to live. No, no way. No way. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, I don't look at that as any type of progress, but then, then, so he starts out with lies Ed. then he goes to the next subheading, which is truth. <laughs> Our civilization was built on technology. Our civilization is built on technology. Technology is the glory of human ambition and achievement, the spearhead of progress, and the realization of our potential. And it, you know, it's time once again to raise the technology flag. It's time to be techno optimists. And I think that's a very materialistic view. <laughs> of, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're more than the sum of our technology, um, but. But there's no doubt that technology in terms of tools, I mean, it takes me back right to Virginia Postrel, even, you know, the string age, right, as opposed to the stone age. Um, That was progress. That was invention. Didn't have to be necessarily new technology, a new tool, a new process, a new way of doing something. Um, Yeah, that is what causes civilization to advance and progress. Mm -hmm. Right, right. 
then then he he pivots us and this is where we get into technology and what what do techno optimists believe and he says that he that we believe that societies like sharks grow or die right. <laughs> and that's yeah. a, that's that's a pretty terrific line it is right um, he then quotes uh, Peter Collier, economic growth is not a cure-all, but lack of growth is a kill-all. Kill-all. Yeah. I and love I, that. I, that is a fantastic point. And this is where, okay, now as I'm reading this the first time and not uh, not going through and seeing his his biography at the end, uh, yeah, at the, at the end, I'm sorry, bibliography at the end, like my note in that is learning equals growth. Yeah. Learning equals growth. So I'm like, wait a minute, there's a little, there's a Gilderian influence into this. I'm oh, hearing absolutely. echoes of George Gilder already. So, yep. uh, Not growing is stagnation, leads to zero-sum thinking, internal fighting, degradation, collapse, and ultimately death. And right. there are only three sources of growth, population growth, natural resource utilization, and technology. I would have said natural resource growth too, because I don't believe there is such a thing as natural resource, except maybe air. Um, because we're changing resources all the time, but I get his point and developed societies are depopulating all over the world. Um, and you know, he does point out that resource utilization has sharp limits, uh, both real and political. Um, but that makes it even more so that perpetual source of growth is technology, which is new knowledge tools. What the Greeks call techni has always been the main source of growth. And perhaps the only cause of growth. I'm not sure about that. I, I think he's downplaying some of Deirdre's thoughts on rhetoric, persuasion, language, but maybe he's incorporating it. He's, I was going to say, he is using technology as a suitcase word that I believe in his mind incorporates that that thinking into it. And I think that that's at least that's the perspective I took. Of course, this gets gets back to another thing that I've, I've, I've brought up two or three times this week in different conversations, Ron, and that is this notion that that all language is translation, that we are we are actually trying to translate the words on the page of what Mark Andreessen is doing, and we're running it through our set of neurons, which fired a lot while I was reading this, yes. and as I'm sure it did you, because our our, our, our brains have, have evolved at least partially together on this stuff as we've talked about these things. But we're still interpreting things. And I think I think that that one word technology for Andreessen incorporates far more than when you and I say technology. I think that his when I when I do my presentation on innovation beyond technology, he would go, no, that's just another form of technology. Those are just yeah, those are just that's just insights into that. So, right. And we say that because he does cite Deirdre and some other thinkers that have that line, like Joel Moiker talks about this as well. So, um yeah, I agree. He's using yeah. it as a very big umbrella term. Um, and then, Ed, if we just wanted to do a one thing show, <laughs> we, we could just take the bottom part of this section. Yes. I, I, I mean, I, I I think they're all worth reading. Why don't you go ahead and just read them all? Start Starting from which one? We had a problem of starvation, that one, or before that? But, uh, we believe this is why our descendants will live in the stars. Oh, that, okay. Yeah, so... Uh, take take it. Go ahead. Okay. We believe that there is no material problem, whether created by nature or by technology that cannot be solved with more technology. We had a problem of starvation, so we invented the green revolution. We had a problem of darkness, so we invented electric lighting. We had a problem of cold, so we invented indoor heating. 
We had a problem of heat, so we invented air conditioning. We had a problem of isolation, so we invented the internet. We had a problem of pandemics, so we invented vaccines. We have a problem of poverty, so we invent technology to create abundance. Give us a real world problem and we can invent technology that will solve it. And I don't know if solving it is the right term. I, you know, given that there are no solutions, there's only trade-offs. Only trade-offs. And, and, and problem of isolation. So we invented the internet. I, you know, loneliness has never been higher. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm not, but I, but I get what he's saying that it, the internet does bring us together. It does connect us or enables mm-hmm. us to connect. Right. I can chat with my relatives in Israel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I just, you, you, you start to think about this and you go, yeah, every time we're, this is what Gilder's point was in 1980 in wealth and poverty. And it kind of blew my mind. He said, the, the problems of society are the new frontier. We say the frontiers closed. That's true geographically. And of course, now we're talking about space, but he said the, the frontier is always the, the problems that we face that we can solve. We can bring creativity to solve them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. I just love this. Yeah, just terrific stuff. As you said, this is a, this is a year of one things in in one article. I mean, it's, it's it re- it really truly is. But we are up against our first break. Want to remind you that you can contact Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage The website is the Soul of Enterprise, where you can see show notes, previews to upcoming shows. We do have our Patreon channel available, patreon.com slash tsoe. But we want to remind you that what we love to do is hear from you. And we would really appreciate it if you would rate this podcast. Do that by going to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE and rate this podcast. We, and if you do rate us, we promise to read them on the air when we get them. But right now, a word from our sponsor, Boxkeeping Franchise. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. Ron, we talk a lot about business opportunities. Well, now a great one has become our sponsor, bookskeepingfranchise.com, bookskeeping with an X. That's right, Ed. If you are interested in becoming part of the $4.2 billion bookkeeping industry for a franchise fee of just under $20,000, visit www.bookskeepingfranchise.com. Bookskeeping comes with full training, plus marketing and technical support, and even staffing. Visit the website or call 855 935 2669. Franchise opportunity not available in all states. 
Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Talking today on The Soul of Enterprise about the Techno Optimist Manifesto by Mark Andreessen. This was published on his Substack anyway, it may have been earlier on his blog on October 16th, 2023. So just a few days ago. Uh, Ron, this next section is where he's talking about markets. And, you know, all right, now I'm all I'm ready. I'm ready for it. He's, he's prepped us with all this stuff. And he says that uh, we this is another we believe we believe free markets are the most effective way to organize a technological economy. Willing buyer meets willing seller. A price is struck. Both sides benefit from the exchange or 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 doesn't and the exchange or doesn't happen. Willing buyer meets willing seller transaction costs. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) right. That's right. How That's do we right. reduce transaction costs? This is what Airbnb is about. This this is what Uber is about. It was about the reduction of transaction costs. It, it, it took out the costs of connection, connection. of people who, who needed mutual benefit. The and, Agora, Ed. Yeah. Right? A place where all the merchants gathered, right? Mm-hmm. Even though some of them were competitors and all the buyers came. And but a great way to reduce transaction costs even before technology. Yep, and this is this is this is why even in markets, oftentimes you will see all of the the meat vendors are together, all of the the cloth vendors are together, all of they the because it reduces transaction costs. You can the the buyer can more easily compare by going one to the other rather than across the way, and while that is a problem for the individual for the for the that group of all of the the fabric merchants, it's better for them as a group. So that's how they behave. <laughs> Absolutely. Car dealerships, antique stores tend to, yes. you know, cluster. In the mall, the antique it, it, mall. It, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, 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 of course, prices and code information. And, and that's something we don't probably talk enough about. It's just amazing how much a price tells you without, I mean, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to know the causes. You don't have to know the root causes. You just look at the price and go, oh, no, there's no way I'm paying that. And then this is this deal. is the other, the next the next sentence is the one that I put in like double quotes and said that this is not said enough. Markets cause entrepreneurs to seek out high prices as a signal of opportunity and to create new wealth by driving those prices down. That last part of that sentence is not said often enough. Take any robber baron, mm-hmm. Rockefeller, Carnegie, and what did they do? They drove the price to the ground of what they were selling, every mm-hmm. one of them. And uh, yeah, and and the other thing he says in there is, we believe the market economy is a discovery machine. That's very Austrian. That's very von Mises. That's very Hayekian. It's a mm-hmm. discovery machine. Mm-hmm. It's, you know what? What? What does Rory say? I don't believe in efficient markets. 
I believe in the cool market theory. Markets <laughs> just do really cool things. That's it. It's a discovery machine. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, all actual information on uh, uh, in the market is on the edges. It's it's in people's heads. Mm -hmm. And and of course, this is the classic Hayek paper that he wrote. You know the the on the knowledge problem. Uh, yeah, and uh, the uses of knowledge in society. Yeah. That forty seven or whatever paper he wrote. Um, but, and, and then of course he goes on to talk about monopoly and cartel and their motto is we don't care because we don't have to, I just think of Lily Tomlin, you know, doing that. Remember yeah. <laughs> the telephone operator. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Markets prevent uh, monopolies and cartels. I like this quote too, is that he says decentralization harnesses complexity for the benefit of everyone. Yes. Centralization will starve you to death. Yeah. Wow. No, wow. No, it, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, and, 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 and this isn't said enough either. Markets lift people out of poverty. It's by far the most effective. It's the only way we know of. It's not just the most effective. Of, it's the only way. <laughs> it's the only way. I mean, maybe there's another way we haven't found yet, but. Uh, well, wealth know, transfer. No, but that doesn't seem to work very well. That it doesn't work in the long term, you know. It's a, no. a you know of over over what period of time, right? And then and, and and the other thing that needs to be said about this manifesto, Ed. So many of the people he cites, we've had on the show. I know, <laughs> and, and and of course we can go through that at the, at, at the end. But he talks about David Friedman, and he says David Friedman points out that there's only, you know, people only do things for other people for three reasons: love, money, or force. Okay, well, love is great in your family, but it doesn't scale. And the force experiment has been run and found wanting. So let's stick with money, he says. Um, and, you know, markets is, and, and the, you know that line, and I can't stand the line, government is what we do together. Yes. <laughs> right? You've heard that line. Oh, yeah. Uh, he says, we believe markets are how we take care of people we don't know. Right. I love that how we take care of strangers or as Rabbi Lappin said, says how we take care of God's children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and I think that's, that, that is absolutely on point. And there's no conflict between capitalist profits and a social welfare system. In fact, <laughs> it's the profits that fund the social welfare system, you know, for the poor and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, he goes on to cite William Nordhaus, who we've talked about a lot, where creators of technology only capture about 2% of the social value that they create. And um, so technological innovation is inherently philanthropic by a 50 to 1 ratio. Who said that, Ed, and got right over the coals for it <laughs> by Ayn Rand? George Gilder. George Gilder in 1980. In her yeah. last public appearance before she died, the Fordham Institute, I think it was, or Fordham University, Ayn Rand didn't name Gilder by name, said an author who wrote a recent book, Wealth and Pop, and then just tore him down. Yeah. And it turns out Gilder's absolutely right. And the way, maybe the best way to think about this is how much would we have to pay you for you to never use your iPhone again? Mm-hmm. And that shows you the social value that you're getting from that iPhone over and above what you paid for it. Just backing up just a quick, I wanted to make this, this other point. And this was a, an article that I came across 
uh, today. As a matter of fact, I was listening to another podcast and the headline is what's important is that research finds dramatic increase in cranial traumas as the first cities were being built, suggesting an increase in violence. Right. Well, and then they go on to say, and what was what was the result of this or what, what, what do we do to to change this? And what he what what he cites, he says, well, the, the reason why the violence started to go down is we started to codify these laws and uh, all of the stuff. Well, the author, uh, the, the person that I heard talking about this article says, you know, they missed trade was in was in was in between that. Mm. Sure. Trade sure. trade happened and trade was the reason why we put the rules in place. Right. So this, of course, cites governments as being instituted as what what reduced the violence. But the, but the governments and, and you've heard this a number of times, too, the law lags. Right. Right. The cult culture. The, the, so right. it was the, the law was emerging from the culture, which was reducing the violence because we decided, you know, it's a lot easier to trade stuff with one another. Than it is to just take it from one another and how i mean this is one of the lessons you learn as a two-year-old right yes i can take the other person's stuff and the bigger person owns it and gets it right i can take it but then you, you quickly reason that all right well maybe if we work on this together there'll be more, <laughs> there'll yeah. be more of it yeah right and i think that it's just so funny that it's so ingrained is oh government must have been the cause of trade and thank you for playing no it was trade that allowed government to emerge yeah, it's the same thing when you think about property laws, you know, the barbed wire, you know, and dogs were used as a way to ring your property, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, we we got surveys and and all the customs and laws that grew out of that. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Um, and then he goes on to cite David Ricardo's concept of a comparative advantage as distinct from competitive advantage. Love that. Really, another important point. And Comparative advantage guarantees high employment regardless of the level of technology. And all comparative advantage says is, hey, if I'm good at, uh, you know, being a CPA, but I'm also one of the fastest typers in the world, I should still spend all my time being a CPA and leave the typing to somebody else who maybe does it at half my speed. But therefore, if I do that, we'll, we'll both have more. Yeah. And Dave, David Ricardo pointed this out as in like po the Portugal producing wine and the French producing cheese and all of this stuff it was really, really good stuff. And, and of course, the only way to discover those comparative advantages is through a market process because it's they through, change right. over time. You mm -hmm. know, we'll probably never be as good as, I don't know, Costa Rica and, and growing bananas or something. But, you know, we'll we'll have comparative advantages and other things, you know compared to them over time. And, and then he talks about market set wages as a function of marginal productivity. That's the next dollar that you bring into the business that hires you. And therefore technology, which raises productivity, <laughs> which is the most counterintuitive idea of all economics is what drives wages, you know? And he says, look, we have 300 years of history that proved this. Mm -hmm. and he's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that paragraph was particularly well said. That, that that exact paragraph that you just read there. And this is the other one, Ed, and I know we're, well, we, he says, we believe a universal basic income would turn people into zoo animals to be farmed by the state. Man was not meant to be farmed. Man was meant to be useful, to be productive, to be proud. We believe that since humans' wants and needs are infinite, economic demand is infinite and job growth can continue forever. 
In other words, this, this is very Lappin. This is the mm-hmm. exact thing Lappin says. If you give people UBI, they're no different than uh, animals in a zoo. Mm-hmm. You know, making sure everybody gets their fair share and all of that. It's just crazy. Just crazy. The more I, the more I really think about the spiritual impact of a UBI, the more I'm against it, even though I understand and even agree that it's better than the current system. Right. Right. Better than what we have now. And this to all sum up in this last paragraph of this section, and then we'll go to the break is we believe that markets are generative, not exploitive, positive sum, not negative sum. He points out James Carsey has talked about finite games versus infinite games. Finite games have an end. One person wins and loses. Infinite means they never end as players collaborate to discover what's possible. Markets are the ultimate infinite, infinite game. You know who's picked up on this recently? Oh, Simon, Simon Sinek. Simon as, Sinek. I, I, I wonder if he quotes or cites James Carsey. Um, I, I don't know who James Carsey is. I didn't look him up. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, in fact, I had a discussion with Scott Scorano about this, about what I didn't like about the infinite game book uh, that they did a book review on by by uh, Simon. And I said, look, it's old, bo- it's old wine and new bottles. Now, mm-hmm. yeah, infinite game's a cool term and finite game. That's a cool term. I didn't realize James Carsey said it before Simon, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, this is what this is what capitalism, free markets, whatever you want to call it, this is what it is. It's anti-fragile too, by the way. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. I, I had the same reaction when I was reading anti-fragile. This is what a market is. It's the it's it's not a big a mighty oak. It's blades of grass you know, that are more resilient to change and, and disruption. It, it's constant disruption. There is no static state in the market. It's a constant discovery process. Right. Well, we'll pick it up with the next section, which is the techno capital machine. But right now we want to talk about the uh, Find a Mind, 90 Minds, who sponsors our Patreon channel. Find a Mind at 90minds.com. We'd love for, for you to check them out and the work that they, they do. But right now, a word from our sponsors. and can't get enough of us follow us on instagram at voice america talk radio and see what we're cooking up for you sage provides accountants with compliance reporting and analytic solutions to do more for their clients these solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com 
are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. We are back talking about Mark Andreessen's The uh, the Techno Optimist Manifesto. I'll get get those words out. Um, And it... Ron, the next section is this the, the techno capital machine, where he cites a uh, Nick Land, who had termed created this term called the tech to the techno capital machine. Just a couple of points on this. He makes he says that comparative advantage increases specialization in trade. You just talked about that, but then the next sentence: prices fall, freeing up purchasing power, creating demand. And what I want to loop in here is the whole notion of Jean Baptiste say and supply creating demand. demand. Yep. Right? And I and, and every time I say that, I almost there's a, it's people can't help but audibly say, oh, that's a lot of crap. Whatever. There's yeah. a, Keynes yeah, refuted that. Yeah. 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 Keynes refuted or, or you know, to, exp- explain the housing crisis in 2008 with all of the excessive supply of 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 home ownership. And it's like, OK, what created the conditions for us? To create the demand in the first place was supply. Nobody demanded an iPhone until Apple came out with one. <laughs> right. And, and, and Africa and North Korea have the same infinite demands as everybody else on the planet. What's lacking? Mm-hmm. The supply side. Even even of things that don't that that are that like knowledge, because the example that I've and I've written on on this topic, uh, Jamaica and Singapore have roughly the same population, are at roughly the same place on the earth from a longitudinal standpoint. One is a tiny city. The other is a big island that a lot of people want to go to because what's the difference in their 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 demand? Yep. Yep. No, it's astonishing. It's astonishing. Yep. Um, the other thing he says in this section, Ed, is we believe the techno-capital techno machine is not anti-human. It may be the most pro-human thing there is. It serves us. Mm-hmm. Man, do we, we are we missing that point with all this AI existentialism and, you know, it's, it's going to kill us all. Yeah. This factual point kind of was, was a little jarring to me. In 2019, the result was the largest number of jobs at the highest wages and the highest levels of material living standards in the history of the planet. Uh, you know, I say what you want. I mean, I'm not trying to make this a president thing, a Trump thing or what 2019 was an awesome economic year by yeah. any measure you want to look at. Yeah. Any of them. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's an amazing year that will, will go down as a record that mm-hmm. people will use as a benchmark if they want to show decline. <laughs> right. Until we did gain of function research on, you know, that's <laughs> just aside that point. You know, so <laughs> um, but th- this is, this is the point I wanted to make. And this is at the end of the section and is he believe, we believe that the techno capital machine is not anti-human, right? The most pro-human things. Uh, and I, what I love this, all machines work for us. And I think the point that you just made here is also what the, the certainly the current pope, but also sometimes religious folk miss. Mm. Mm. This is the this is the thing that that they don't pick up on enough. They look at it how how it how it deprives us of our humanity you know, mm-hmm. and all of these other things. And th- this is the thing that I think this point they miss or can't conceptualize in the right way. I, you know, I just. <laughs> 
maybe calling it a tool is too utilitarian. Mm. Ed, that's all it is. At the end of the day, it's a hammer. It's a, it's a, it's a wrench. It's a screwdriver that, that we're pulling out to serve a particular purpose. Maybe because it de- it deals with language so well now. Is that why we're? What's that word? Anthropomorphizing it. Anthropomorphizing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, is that it? Is because it can deal with the one thing that humans have kind of a monopoly on, which is language. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. I think people get 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 fooled into it. Um, I think they they look at what the wonders of what ChatGPT can do, and they Im, Im, impute that it's actually thinking. Because mm. it's spitting out language. I just the South Park ChatGPT episode again. What that was hysterical. Well, um, well, because he, so here's an example of this, Ron. I don't, I don't know if you've ever done this, but it, but. Ask ChatGPT to interpret a joke for you. I have not asked. That's that. a, that's a highly complex that is thing. It is, and it actually does a fairly decent job at it. Really, even with kind of like a good, you know, Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. line or something. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. I would like to see. I'd like to see what it says about we don't want to. Um, we don't want to produce Nikes, Mr. President. We want to wear them. Right, 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 right. I'd like right. to see what it does with that. So, so, but here's the context of one that, that somebody talked about at a conference I was at. He typed in the following joke. He said, uh, a skeleton walks into a bar and says, I'll have a, I'll have a beer and a mop. The dad joke. Yeah, it's a dad joke, but it, but it, it actually explained it. He says, oh, that's, that's pretty funny. Uh, the whole concept that the you know the the and you you would drink something and actually just flow through and it created a mess on the floor and that's why you needed the mop to clean it up and it's even more funny is the fact that it's in a bar right and there's right, it's, right. and that's a pretty good analysis and, and the skeleton's talking yes <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah 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 so we'll add the it, next section oh go ahead no that's it yep. Okay, the next section is intelligence, and I'm curious what you picked up out of here. I'll just start with this. I another one of these great lines, a couple great lines in this article that are really, really, really memorable. We believe AI is our alchemy, our philosopher's stone. We are literally making sand think. Man, that is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely fantastic point. Not uh, the way believe- humans think. No, but no. think, you mm-hmm. know, in some form, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Not, not, not sentience, and that, that yeah, not and, consciousness, right? And and this is this is the this is the thing. Although I, I have heard that they're they're working on this as well. Well, you know, we're the and this goes back to Peter Block, right? We're the we're the we're, the, we're one of the few animals that can want about our wants. Yes, we can. We can want to be a better person and we can want to say, I don't want to want that. Right. And but and that's where artificial intelligence, I think, falls short, is that it will never be able to to pick up, pick up on the subtleties of, well, okay, you were told to do this. But why do you what? Why do you don't you want to be better? Don't you want to be loved and thought of as lovely, too? Right. (laughs) Um, So anyway. Yeah, that metal wants thing is is a brilliant point that we can want about our wants. Mm-hmm. That's a really profound point. Yeah. 
Uh, we believe artificial intelligence is, the, is best thought of as the universal problem solver, and we have a lot of problems to solve. <laughs> hey, he points out medicines in the Stone Age compared what we could do with, you know, if we joined AI with the human mind. There are scores of common causes of death that can be fixed with AI from car crashes to pandemics to wartime friendly fire. That is no doubt true. So he says, we believe any deceleration of AI will cost lives. And that's true too, just like the deceleration this of is, wealth. Yes, cause, this next line is the most, you're going to read it, the, is the yep. most provocative one in the piece, in my, my opinion. We believe in augmented intelligence just as much as we believe in artificial intelligence. Intelligence machines augment intelligent humans, driving a geometric expansion of what humans can do. Well, see, now you skipped over the line that I thought you were talking about, Ron, which is deaths that were preventable by AI, uh, by the AI that was prevented from existing is a form of murder. Well, yeah. That's I, I, the it, most it, provocative it, sentence it, in the it, whole it, piece. That's it, yeah. really. <laughs> is a form of murder. I'm not sure about that. Okay. But, yeah. Um, I was like, what? Uh, uh, you know, because I, I, I could I could extrapolate that and say the same thing. If you prevent wealth creation, it's a form of murder because right. poverty kills, period. I mean, mm -hmm. we have lots of ample evidence for that. I'm, I'm not sure throwing murder in, in something is very persuasive from a rhetoric standpoint. Well, that's why I think this is the most provocative sentence yeah. in the piece. And, yeah. and perhaps he, he might have rethought that exactly for that reason. It's really it's really pushing the envelope. And you're going to lose people reading that sentence for but sure. not us, so it doesn't no. matter. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, not us. Okay. <laughs> okay, Ed, I love the next section. I think this is very Alex Epstein as well. Energy. It's on energy. And energy is life. We take it for granted, but without it, we have darkness, starvation, and pain. Boy, is that true. I just, you know, all of this net zero, no fossil fuels is just a pipe dream. Um, we have the silver bullet for energy, nuclear fission. We have a second silver bullet that's coming, nuclear fusion per capita. And this is a great point. And Alex Epstein makes this too. Per capita, U.S. carbon emissions are lower now than they were a hundred years ago, even without nuclear power. And even with all the industrialization that's happened in the last hundred years. Mm -hmm. And they say, you want to see environmental devastation, visit a former communist country, Google yeah. the Aral Sea. So mm -hmm. true. So take a look at North Korea, take a look at China. That's still building a coal plant a day to build their, <laughs> their uh, solar panels for crying out. I mean, they're making the solar panels with, coal for crying out loud mm -hmm. <laughs> and then then he he cites this and i did not know this that in richard nixon's call for energy independence he called for the construction of 1000 nuclear power power plants by the year 2000 so this is 1973 so 27 years later nixon was right we didn't build the plants we can now anytime we decide we want to and this has been my point on on nuclear for quite some time is like th this has got to be part of the mix and we and we need to move forward on this as quickly as possible and it, it, the the more every day that goes by where we have these hurdles in place and 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 he talks about fission versus fusion and i get that 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 fusion is is going to be better overall unless but what we have fission now let's do it <laughs> I know. I know. It, it, the costs are lower than any other form of energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of death, right, and bad mm -hmm. side effects. So, um, 
Yeah, and I love he, he the, the next section is abundance. He talks about we believe the measure of abundance is falling prices. Now, I would have said technically time prices mm-hmm. because if people look at price, well, prices have increased. I go to the grocery store. I go look at the gas pump. Well, but if you measure it in time, then okay, right. Um, and then of course the whole too cheap to meter, and and you know the thing about that, and I know we have to break, but the too cheap to meter, Paul Ehrlich, a whole bunch of people, you can find all these quotes about you know, that whole too cheap to meter that freaked people out. They said, well, that's like giving a child an AK 47, you know, they don't want humanity to have too cheap to meter energy. They don't want super abundance in energy because we'll just, we're just going to destroy the planet with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's one of the things keeping, uh, nuclear fission from being, you know, materialized. But, um, I, yeah, just, I just love this section on energy and then abundance. Yeah. And I'll just just leave it with this and then we'll, we'll take our break. He quotes Andy Warhol. What's great about this country is America started the tradition where the richest consumers buy essentially the same thing as the poorest. Everybody's Coca-Cola is the same. The same. <laughs> I, 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 I do love that line. I'm very egalitarian. You know, a, yeah. a president can't get a better Coke than you or I. But it's also true about the smartphone, the chat bot, you know, whole bunch of other things i mean this is the whole capitalism turns luxuries into necessities mm-hmm. that's joseph schumpeter said that and it's absolutely true well ed this is great it's been flying by and folks I'd like to remind you if you want to contact me or ed send us an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com and now we want to hear from our sponsors including ed's employer sage Birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise 
The subject of today's solo enterprise is the Techno Optimist Manifesto by Mark Andreessen, published October 16th, 2023. And Ron, before we jump to the next section, um, I wanted to read another provocative, but not as as provocative statement. We believe that the global population can quite easily expand to 50 billion people or more and then far beyond as we ultimately settle under other planets. <laughs> is that Musk or? Uh, that's Musk. Yeah, but that's that that's another gutsy statement. Not quite yeah. as provocative as the other line, but I think that that is that's really out there. Um, anyway, ne- the next section is not utopia, but close enough. And he it, it goes on to say that we're not utopians. And he, and he again cites Thomas Sowell's constrained vision uh, and. But he believes I like this sentence, too, because it's it really is is tight. We believe in not utopia, but also not apocalypse. Right. I love that, too. And I think that that really makes an outstanding point, uh, because I think that it it seems that it's the folks on on one side are all all about. No, we can build utopia. The other are are, no, it's going to be an apocalypse. And then he and, cites uh, Brad DeLong, who, who's got a great term I love, slouching toward utopia. Mm-hmm. In other words, doing the best that fallen humanity can do. Right. Making We can't better. quite that there. Of course, utopia, let's look, we like to re- remind, it means nowhere. It means does not exist. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. Uh, and of course, Thomas Sowell's constrained and unconstrained vision. Um, he, you know, he, he's at, he says, we are adherence to what Thomas Sowell calls the constrained vision. This is from Sowell's book, A Conflict of Visions. I think we've talked about it on prior bonus shows, but it's one of my favorite Sowell books. In fact, I think it's one of Sowell's favorite books that he's written. Mm. Um, and it is, it is deeply profound. Um, you know, we'll the, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, we can't it, constrained versus unconstrained vision of humanity. Yeah. The constrained is we're all fallen. We're all imperfect. You know, what's that line? You can't make anything straight from the crooked timber of humanity. I mm-hmm. think it's a uh, Kant, Emmanuel right. Kant who said that, um, it's that it's that that's the view of the world. The unconstrained vision is, oh, no, we can remake. We can create the new Soviet man. We can we can have utopia. We can have heaven here on Earth, you know, full abundance, all of that. And, you know, Seoul does a great job documenting these two worldviews without really bringing religion into it. I mean, it's not a religious argument. It's a social um, argument. It's a social political argument. There's mm-hmm. how, how two people can look at the same set of facts, the same evidence and have two different reactions to it because well right. one has a constrained and the other has an unconstrained vision and right? this and this goes back to 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 adam smith too right and the man man of system the, 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 the man of system believes that, that they can move pieces around the chessboard not accounting for the fact that we're the pieces here we have our autonomy. <laughs> we have our own free will. We have our, our own, own agency. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And um, the next section that is becoming technological supermen. And the thing that I got out of this section was he says, we believe that we are, have been, and will always be the masters of technology, not mastered by technology. We are mm-hmm. not victims. We are conquerors. And I thought that was an excellent line as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, really, really good stuff uh, with regard to that. Uh, I, in this section, too, he also has a clever paraphrase of of Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. Mm-hmm. So the, the restated 
Mark Andreessen line is beauty exists only in a struggle. There is no masterpiece that has not that has not an aggressive character. Technology must be a violent assault on the forces of the unknown to force them to bow before man. Yeah. We try and we try and make nature serve us. Right. You know, nature spends most of its time trying to kill us. <laughs> right. And we try and make it bow to to us. Right. Well, and, and this goes back to a lot of stuff that we talk about even within companies and within organizations is is the, what what makes it what makes a company an organization more human. And I think one of those things is it, it, it is a place where the systems serve the people rather than the people serving the systems. Mm hmm. And I think there is a spectrum along the lines of that. I think if you, t if, you if you were to ask that question, wh which of these two, like a, maybe a slide rule, I mean, that, I think you would get deep insight if you interviewed everybody in the company and says, wh you know, to what extent do you believe this? At, at X company, the systems serve the people. At X company, the people serve the systems. And what would be the disparity between those two things? So... Yeah. Uh, no. Well, we're not going to get through all of this. We got through about 70% of it, but the next section is technological values. What did you pick up on, on in there? Um, Ron, this is where I pretty much stopped highlighting because it, I was just like, well, everything, everything, thank you very much. And I, 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 on my copy, I, I, I and I can, I'll, I, I, I actually, and I'll maybe I'll take a screenshot of this and we'll include it in the show notes. Rather than highlighting horizontally anymore, I just started highlighting vertically. Vertically, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, like, that, yeah, that's, that's how I feel with a gilder book or a rory book it's you like, know nope yeah. i'm just gonna start over here and it's all of this <laughs> okay well i was more restrained ed so i'll, I'll pick out the okay thing that, I, that really struck me i love this we believe in an absolute rejection of resentment as carrie fisher said this is such a great line resentment, it is a great line resentment is like drinking poison and waiting <laughs> for the other person to die he <laughs> means carrie fisher from star wars right? yes star yes wars that was in her book sure, sure. okay yeah yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, we believe rich is better than poor, cheap is better than expensive, and abundant is better than scarce. And we believe in what the Greeks called eudaimonia, which is um, flourishing through excellence. And I love that word, and I love that concept, and I love the term flourishing. Yeah, eudaimonia is the, is the the idea that that uh, there's there's always a positive choice, right? Where we can always create some kind of positive choice out of things. I think. Right. And I think he was, he was addressing this to the DEI crowd. Technology is universalist. It doesn't care about your ethnicity, your race, religion, national origin, gender, sexuality, political views, height, weight, hair, hair, or lack thereof. It's the ultimate open society. And that is absolutely right on. Mm -hmm. um, and then he goes on to say, and I know we've only got a minute. He says, America and her allies should be strong and not weak. We believe national strength of liberal democracies flows from economic strength, which is financial power, cultural strength, soft power, and military strength, hard power, peace through strength, as Reagan would say. Um, and that takes us through the end of that section. There's still some more to go, Ed, and we're going to have to do a part two to finish this up. But I absolutely love this thing. Um, what are some of your final thoughts? 
Yeah, I can't wait to talk about the next section. I don't know if it may not, may not take up a whole show, but that's okay. We can maybe just talk about the whole thing in general. Uh, but yeah, we'll pick it up ne- not in, not next week, but in two weeks with the section on the meaning of life. Ron, what are we going to get going next week? Well, next week, Ed, we're going to be live from Hector's Business Models for Accountants for create or uh, for creative accountants um, uh, event in Miami, Florida, and that's taking place Thursday and Friday of next week. So we're going to do a recording of our show there and then voice America will run it next Friday. Yeah. Looking forward to that. And I'll see you in 167 hours. Well, really less. This has been the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy sponsored by Sage building experiences that connect remove friction and deliver insights. Join us next week on Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. That's noon Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at www.soulofenterprise.com.